0: What's up, guys? Zach here. Uh, Is What It Is podcast coming up next with special guest Al Wallace. But before we get into it, just wanted to give you a reminder to hop over to iTunes and rate us and review us over there. It definitely helps us out to get this amazing podcast out to more ears when you do that. So if you're listening, that means you love us. Go give us a five. And uh, here we go.
1: Here we go. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the It Is What It Is podcast. My name is Josh Klein. I am the managing editor of the Riot Report. We are powered by said Riot Report. I mixed up my intros there usually it's it is what it is powered by the riot report this time it's a test it. anyway right? well no of course not we're going right into it no test we don't
0: want to make sure we're recording like now it's
1: yeah well <laughs> if we're not recording it's just going to be a huge waste of time for everybody uh my name is josh klein joining me as always to my left is zach luttrell usually he's on my right
0: yeah today on my left today. new season
1: uh new seat and directly across from me a special guest in the studio is 10-year nfl veteran former defense event for the carolina panthers Al Wallace is here, number ninety six.
0: All right, we still don't have the soundboard because we need to, you know, we need to factor in some
1: applause there, right? Yeah, maybe somebody could just call you on your phone, and we'll just get the stand up a chair for the feathers. <laughs> that is, that is yeah. my ringer, actually. <laughs> Al, welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, oh, we're excited to have you. So, Al, let's uh, let's jump right into it here. Um, I mean, we're two weeks removed from the end of the Panther season, and it feels like the off season just never it never really stops, right? I mean, uh, it used to be. I feel like. Maybe like five, ten years ago, there was a time when it was like the season ended and then there was like a month or two of nothing. But now there's so much happening um, in the span of the last two weeks. New offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, new special teams coordinator. Um, you know, how, how is it as a former NFL vet when you have that kind of that much turnover on the coaching staff? How does it affect the players?
2: I mean, it doesn't—not uh, as much as you would think. Those guys play football. They're going to play football no matter who's calling the X's and O's and drawing it up. So they'll approach it like that. One of the great things about it is a lot of in-house hirings, especially on the defensive side, uh, with Eric Washington, um, you know, being elevated to defensive coordinator. So in that respect, you know the guy. These these guys have fought with him. They they've heard him in the huddles. Uh, the motivational speeches, so they'll continue on. Uh, he'll change things. There'll be a couple wrinkles, but uh, for that side of the ball, it's a good thing.
1: Yeah, and you were talking about before practice that you had, or before practice before the podcast. We call our podcast practice sometimes because <laughs> certainly not professional, that's for sure. Um, that you had been to a couple practices. You'd seen the way that the defensive linemen interact with Eric Washington.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's just a great guy. A, a lot of energy. Those guys really, um, really value his ability to teach the X's and O's and I think when you you think about coaching you really miss that part of it a guy who can teach you from the back to the front meaning from the secondary all the way to the defensive line so that you have a greater understanding of everybody around you that's going to help you do your job so they couldn't have selected a better guy a better motivator somebody that's one of those guys in that that locker room and and
0: yeah, I want to ask you guys. So, I mean, obviously Coach Washington's been there for a long time. I think 8 years now. So, he was there when McDermott was there, uh, obviously when Coach Wilkes was there. So, he's been a part of that that, you know, that defense for quite a while. But him being a defensive line coach, I mean, we saw the difference in the strategy when Coach Wilks came. You know, him being a, you know a defensive back kind of guy, and he was putting a, a lot more pressure than the Panthers historically had in, in McDermott's system. And what kind of wrinkles do you guys see that uh, you know scheme-wise that Washington might bring to the table? Being a defensive line guy versus a secondary guy—is is there anything that you can see?
2: Well, you, you don't know right now, so I, I don't know. You knew Wilks was going to be a guy that was going to bring some pressures. You saw a lot of safety blitzes, a lot of uh, corner and nickel blitzes. That's because of his familiarity with the back-end guys and and their ability to rush. So I would suspect that you're going to see him leaning on a lot of the four-man rushes, but that's the fun part. You don't know what his fingerprints are going to be all over this defense.
1: Yeah, I think that one of the things that Ron Rivera has really gone with when he continues to bring these guys up, you know, when it's, Sean McDermott, and then he brings up another guy that's on Sean McDermott staff. And then when it's Steve Wilkes, he brings up another guy that's on Steve Wilkes' staff. To keep that continuity that you always know when you come to training camp, when you come to OTAs, there's going to be a little bit of an installation change, but it's not going to be like, hey, we're going to a 3-4. Or like, (laughs) hey, uh, we're going to run weird cover sixes that we'd never... we're going to a 46. Like, it's just always going to be, you know what you're going to get when you get a Carolina Panthers defense. Um, and Norv Turner said the same thing. We did a conference call with him a couple nights ago, or a couple days ago. Uh, we're not talking to him at night. We're talking to him during the day. Uh, did a couple a conference call with him, and he was saying that the difference between a Norv Turner offense and a and a Mike Shula offense and a Rob Chudzinski offense is, is not that much. It's all Carolina Panthers offense you know and I think that's how it's going to be with the defense as well it's still going to be hard nose try to stop the run and I think that's why they're going to focus in on you know continuing to build that defensive line depth in the draft in free agency you know they're they're going to be they're probably they're getting older at defensive end so they need to kind of replenish that now I don't think you're coming back from from retirement nope, right not happening. no <laughs> not coming back okay all right uh so do you think that's one of the bigger needs that the Panthers have is defensive line or like what do you see on this roster that they need to address during the offseason
2: defensive line is is definitely one of the the bigger spots that you can point to because of the the age there on the edges with Peppers and Charles Johnson and you know Mario Addison's not a, a young guy so you, you need guys you can start to develop and, and with uh you know stars contract in the air you're not n- uh, sure if he's coming back you got to make sure you have that depth uh, the defensive lines that I played on had a number of guys that could have potentially been starters and you you have to be able to plug those guys in and not have a drop off and I know Marty um kind of values those big men up front the same way Dave Gettleman did so I think we'll see some more guys brought in to bolster that and to get a little younger at those positions. What's the uh, what's the
0: shirt that all the D line guys wear with the phrase Coach Washington's phrase G two X G two X G
1: G2, two What does that stand for again? Get to the spot. Is that what it is? Yeah, I like that. Was that was that? Did they have that back in your day, or was they that... didn't have
2: it back okay. back in my day? But um, I know every time I see him, he's man, I, and I still don't have a shirt, Coach. If you're listening, <laughs> to this. It's like I got to get you one of those. I mean, I, those types of things when you watch how they support him and those right. guys have those on pregame during practice, after practice, you know that's resonating with them in, in his coaching style, so I, I'm excited for him to get this opportunity.
0: Yeah, and I, I think just from a fan perspective, too, that's something that you know we can see that's pretty obvious when they do promote from within, and these guys have, are wearing shirts supporting the coach, I mean it's obviously they have a close relationship with them, you know, uh, Al, we had talked about before the pod how the rumors are, you know, I think they're probably true about Pep wanting to come back to be able to play with Coach Washington, so you know, seeing them excited about, about him as a coach, and, and that being their guy I mean I think from a fan just gets us pumped up knowing that they're going to play hard for him and, and they feel good about that that move internally
2: yeah it says a lot about him I, I haven't uh, talked to Peppers since the season ended but um, uh, the last couple games they're just speaking to him I know he was excited about how they utilized him um, that time on the field the number of reps the opportunities he was able to get and i know how fond he is of coach washington and i i wouldn't be shocked at all if he, he if he gave us one more run just to yeah. go there and support coach washington in his first stint as a defense coordinator and we need him
1: yeah we i mean when, <laughs> when a guy like that when a guy like peppers can put together a season like he just had playing 47 48% of the snaps i mean the guy had 11 sacks in the top 10 in sacks like i mean he's just kind of ageless it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like he's slowing down. You know, some of these guys, as they get older, you see like, oh, it's it's going to be the... You could see the decline happening. Mm-hmm. But with Peppers, it's just kind of like a straight line heading right towards the Hall of Fame. I mean... Right.
0: So, you know, with Wilkes' promotion, that leaves a hole now at the, uh, the the defensive line coach. I mean, is that something that you think they'll follow suit and, and promote within? I mean, is that like a Sam Mills 3, you know, evaluation there or a promotion, I mean?
1: Or do you think there's somebody maybe that you played with next to on the defensive line that might be interested in the job? Yeah,
2: I, I was going there. Um, I talked to him, uh, Brinson Buckner yeah. put it yeah. out there that uh, last couple days and, and made sure that You know, he reaches out to Marty, whoever he needs to contact, and uh, Coach Washington. So you have
0: talked to him. We don't need to call him right now or text him. we have already had this conversation. He's he's
2: doing (laughs) his rounds on, uh, you know, sports talk radio here in Charlotte. I think everybody's kind of pulling for a guy with that experience uh, as a player and as a coach for the last five years out there with Bruce Arians. Sure. in that unit and, and coach Calais Campbell and, and some right, great, right. great defensive linemen they had out there. So uh with his experience, his uh his knowledge and who he was here for the Carolina Panthers, I think that would be a great fit.
0: So this is probably a dumb question, but you know, him uh, being out in area system, they typically run a three four, right? Is there I mean and but he's obviously played in a four three, you know, here in, in Carolina, but is there any type of, you know, transition being a coach coming from a three four to a four three?
2: No, he's actually played in both. He was in a four three here under Jack Del Rio and and Mike Turgovac well, with Sal Sanceri as our D-line coach and and obviously played with the Steelers and, and uh, a number of other teams where he was in a different spot. For us, it's about alignment and assignment. Right. So as a defensive line coach – I mean, you're either a three technique, a shade, a five. If he can coach that, it doesn't matter if it's a three, four or not. Uh, of course, you're going to have different body types, different style of players. But uh, he can get it done. This guy is an encyclopedia of football. His knowledge is incredible wow. if you start quizzing him on players and teams in the history of this game. So uh, I, I think he'll be a great example for some young guys I'm hoping that they bring in here for him to kind of uh, you know, be a, a great tutor for.
0: Sure. Yeah, I think it's probably no secret that that He's going to get snatched up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Whether it's you know Caroline or somebody else,
1: is it? And you said that one of the things that he was doing was you said that he had to reach out to Marty. Is that something that when you want a job, do you have to reach out or do you wait for somebody? I, I'm just confused about like how that actually works. Do you would he like text Marty and be is like, he applying Hey, applying for the job? Yeah, like, I'm available Hey, I'm or interested. Or? I'm I'm ready to come or. Does he wait for them to come out? I, I just have no idea. Yeah,
2: I, I didn't know, so I, I just asked. I mean, yeah. I know we all have uh, you know great relationships, and Marty brought us all here uh, to participate in this team in 2002 and go on that run we did uh, to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 38. So uh, that's not how it works. He said his agent had been in contact with uh, a couple of those guys. I know he talked to Steve Wilkes out in Arizona, uh, but when those coaches come, they usually come with a full slate, a full mm-hmm. roster of, of coaches in tow. Uh, right. So he didn't get that opportunity, but um, it wouldn't hurt if you still have those contacts, making a personal call, a personal text. I mean, your agent gets involved. Uh, that, that makes it, for me, a little bit uh, you know, impersonal, but if he can call Marty, he knows Marty. I, I mean, maybe that helps. Yeah.
1: Sure. Do you think that Steve Wilkes is going to be a good fit for that Arizona Cardinals?
2: I think so. I mean, you look at the talent. Uh, the things he's going to be able to do with Patrick Peterson at the cornerback position playing man-to-man. As as often as he likes to blitz, you need those type of guys that can cover. uh, Tyron Matthew, a a lot of great young linebackers and defensive linemen. Uh, I I think that team, for me, that foundation um, and that identity is on that defensive side of the ball. Now they're going to have to find a quarterback, no doubt about it. If he doesn't find a quarterback, uh, and he's going to be tied to that guy, that's what happens with first-year quarterbacks, head coaches just like Cam Newton, Ron Rivera, right? Sure. You're tied to that guy. So if he can do that and he can find a, a guy that they can bring along, uh, I think he has a good chance of having success.
1: Well it's like it's so it's so interesting that people nowadays say I keep reading these things on the internet that like the age of the quarterback might be over because you have the, the you know, three out of the four teams that were in the, the championship game were Blake Bortles, Nick Foles and Case Keenum and but in reality it's still such a quarterback driven league. No matter how good your defense is you still, I mean, let's wait until see who see, who wins the actual Super Bowl because I have a feeling it's going to be the team with the best quarterback. The
2: best quarterback in the history of the game, right? I mean, you don't want to say it's, it's kind of luck or everything came together for those other teams that were in the championship games, but at the end of the day, Tom Brady is there, and as long as he's a factor along with Bill Belichick, I, I still say it's a quarterback-driven league, and the best of the best, the cream of the crop, uh, still make it to that the, the top of the mountain and i think we'll see him hoisting another super bowl trophy i, I love philly i played for the eagles i'm rooting for that organization but um man they, they're they're facing an uphill battle against that that duo with belichick see, and Brady. I,
0: I tend to agree but man if philly can play like they did last week oh, they're gonna be in out. that game i mean i i just couldn't believe what i was watching and i actually lived up in uh south jersey for three years the last year the vet you know the first years of the link and um you know just I ended up going to a lot of a lot of Eagles games then too. So um, you know, I've, I've been around a lot of those fans and, and I still have some friends up there. In fact, I'm going up for the Super Bowl weekend because the Panthers are playing the Eagles next year. So I'm going to go plan our away game trip, but also hang out with my my Philly buddies and kind of secretly you know root against them maybe. But. Um, <sighs> I, you know just being completely honest with them i told them i said if they can play if they can replicate a game like that not only will they you know be in the game they're going to win the game i think you know but you're right it's going to come down to uh to you know them being able to play at that top notch like that and then also uh you know what what tom's going to do cuz you can never count him out
1: yeah i mean so much of so much of the nfl really does come down to uh, luck is not the right word for cuz the the pats kind of made their own luck but you look at the pats have won so many super bowls Every single one of them has been by less than six points. And the only one that was six points or more, they won in overtime by scoring a touchdown. So it's like when you get into that Super Bowl, anything can happen. Yeah, And um, it's just I, I personally, I think the Pats are going to win for from a fan perspective. I think you want the Pats to win. Right. Because the Pats are already they already have six Super Bowls. They're already kind of they had yeah, those bragging rights. Yeah, exactly. But if the Philly fans win, then they're going to be like, "Well, hey, look at us, Super Bowl champions, wearing the T-shirts all the time. That was not a good Philadelphia accent. But, um, no, it was terrible. No. Uh, you played in Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, and what are those fans like versus Charlotte fans?
2: Uh Rowdy <laughs> <is> the obnoxious <word. laughs> in a good way, in the best way. I, I've been on both sides, obviously uh, played there for three years. Final year was uh, under Andy Reed uh, for his first year, D- drafted Donovan McNabb. So great crowd, hard nose uh, community, uh, blue collar. They show up, man. They they love their Philadelphia Eagles. They love their Sixers, Flyers. You name, I mean Philly. The, you name it, they love them to death. Uh, so it, it's it's rough in that stadium. I played in the Vet, <laughs> played in the Link, and then I, I had an opportunity to go back and in, in the NFC Championship uh, against those guys That's that right. I played with uh, to beat them to to go to Super Bowl thirty eight. And uh, it's scary when you know your wives and everything are up there. You, you know it's dangerous, yeah. man. That that's a rough state. So that life. was
0: the time when I was actually living up there, and, and I remember at the time dating a girl and saying I would never bring her to a game. And that game, the NFC Championship game, my boss called me up, you know after after the uh, um, you know Panthers after you guys beat the Rams and said, hey, here's my tickets, you know go to the game. And he had some great end zone like row six tickets, you know wanted to give them both to me. And I actually passed, flew back to Charlotte and watched the game here with you know all the panther fans on tv instead of going to the game because i wanted to be able to cheer man yeah. i wanted to be able to be rowdy and i didn't want to have to worry about you know having a good time or not Look, so i i we, came back and did we it. we had
2: a team meeting and the coaches security they said hey tell the wives to throw a party here yeah. don't, <laughs> don't don't have them travel and sure. and, yeah. and sit you know in the stands and wear the gear if they go don't wear the gear Cheer silently. Yeah. However, you, you know, how can you do that? Exactly. Um, but my wife actually sat in a suite with the okay. other wives from the opposite team because That's the idea. relationships they built when I played there. It got ugly. They with really was some pushing and shoving in there. I didn't. In I the, didn't expect the, the, s- the I didn't see the story going this way. I thought, the I wives, thought this was a happy ending. The wives. <laughs> there was pushing and shoving. <laughs> they actually got kicked out of the suite at the by the end of the game. They they watched the rest of like the final few minutes like from the the concourse. So like,
0: that that sums it up. Even the Philly, even the Eagles, wives oh, are not fun. They're rough, not safe man. to watch the game and with. A suite.
1: So. Oh man, ten thousand <laughs> dollars <right>. suite. <laughs> so look forward to that roaring riot, uh, Philadelphia takeover <laughs> next year. Yeah. It's gonna be. Yeah, we're, quiet. Gonna, it's we're gonna, gonna be gonna, a quiet um,
0: one. We're definitely gonna be tailgating away from the stadium, oh, bussing in, going to the game, and getting out of there immediately. Yeah, so. we'll just be uh,
1: yeah, just wearing wearing uh, blank jerseys that are not <laughs> Eagles nor Panthers.
0: Well, that's what I said. I mean, from my experiences, if you're if you're wearing Panthers gear, I mean. Sure, you need to keep your head on a swivel, and there there is a legitimate concern for safety. But beyond that, you're going to have a bad time. I mean, you're going to get trash talked the entire time. You're going to get things thrown at you. It's just not worth it. So we're going to go to the game. We're going to cheer for the Panthers. You know, I'm 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 going to leave it up to the uh, attendees whether or not they're going to wear Panther gears. (laughs)
2: Asshole. (laughs) asshole. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's. It's an interesting place. So. That
1: video of uh, of the Vikings fans walking through the Link parking lot. I mean, that was like the the purge. Like yeah, it, it was so just it was man. oh my! It really was. Like there was a moment where I was like, man, they should stop filming this because this is just maybe bad. just turn around and go yeah. back. It's not going to be worth it. Um, so uh, the Pan- Obviously, we've been talking about the defense and your defensive player, but we got to talk about North Turner. That's what on all the Panthers fans' minds. What do you think? is in store for this panthers offense under north
2: turner i mean Norv's historically been a run heavy tight end friendly uh offensive coordinator uh, i mean you, you look at philip rivers and the things he was able to do out in san diego i, I think it's a it's a good fit and it can work um somebody's going to have to bend to the other. I mean, is it Cam's style of play or is it Norv's style of calling plays and the way he views offense, the way he looks at a quarterback? Because I don't think he's ever had a guy like Cam with the skill set. Is he going to be... Uh, inclined to utilize cam's legs as much as we would all like to see uh, i wasn't one of the guys who said going into this year well ooh, we got all these new weapons let's not run cam
0: yeah I agree. man
2: if you don't run cam he's not cam and you you don't have one of the greatest athletes at quarterback in this entire league so i was happy to see him run as much or more than he ever has in his in his career um so that's what I'm interested in to see. When they get in the lab, when they start to break this thing down, when they start to plan, is Cam going to be involved? There's going to be a huge playbook. Is he going to be able to point out, and I know a lot of these veteran quarterbacks do, the plays that he likes, the plays that he's saying, hey, I like these. And Norv's going to say, okay, let's let's make sure we get those in there. I want to see how those two come together and work.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think we were both on the same page before the season started. When, when you say, uh, you know, They they kept saying the offense is going to evolve and get the ball out of Cam's hands and he's going to run it less and the whole do you expect a lion not to roar that whole hubbub that happened and it's like this is the best. You can't just take it out of his game, you know, it's like that that is part of what makes him one of the best quarterbacks of this generation is that he is able to get out that he's he has such a different skill set than almost anybody else in the league. He's different than even Russell Wilson, who loves to run the ball. You know, you look at this guy who's six six; He can crush over the over the middle on a third and one. It's just, when it's short yardage, you just can count on Cam to get the job done. Yeah, exactly. And there just are not other quarterbacks in the league like that. And to not utilize that, I think, would be a huge mistake on Norris' part.
0: I think one of the things that's interesting is um, hearing uh, Herney speak and then hearing Norv's press conference or uh, phone conference, I feel like they both have kind of hinted that they agree, they're on the same page, that there's going to have to be some offensive personnel uh, improvement at the wide receiver position and possibly even at the running back position is what it sounded like.
1: Yeah, uh, Norv said the the way that he thinks that Cam can get better is by putting better talent around him. And it's like I I think that's what – for, for me, I was like, yes, I had to mute my phone. Preach, Nor, I love it.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about. It's about talent. I mean, look at Philly and, and what they have at, at the running back position, uh, that duo and the wide receivers and Alshon Jeffrey and what he's done for that team. I mean, it's about the talent. And, and though we like what I would call like – tier two type talent like shepherd and those guys i mean we got excited about these guys going into the season (laughs) we really hung our hat like man this is going to improve the team i just think it's it's ridiculous i I know i really uh, think marty did the right thing by uh removing two of those you know one of the twin tower guys and getting benjamin uh away from the team and 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 you know allowing funches to to flourish for a while they struggled you know towards the end and i think most of that was due to injury but speed they need speed 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 on top of speed and i'm just still not sure uh that Curtis Samuels is the guy i think he's an athlete i don't know if he's a wide receiver yet and what i mean is i watched him all year try to track the ball in the air he wasn't asked to do that in college They handed him the ball. They hit him with short passes, and they allowed his athleticism to dominate. So now in the NFL, man, you got to run through coverages. You got to find windows, and you have to track the ball in the air with guys all over you. And he wasn't very good at that this year. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think we were on the radio together, and I think you said almost that same thing. You basically said you can be as fast as you want. That doesn't make you a good NFL wide receiver. And he has the speed. Same thing with Demir Bird. Uh, You know, the guys have the speed. Do you think those guys are? are going to be able to step up, or do the Panthers need to get out and get another, maybe another wide receiver in the draft or free agency?
2: You do need to get another wide receiver, and I think those guys are going to be great role players, and I love Demir Bird because of his toughness, because of what he can do with the ball in his hands. I'm a special teams guy. I played in the NFL for 10 years because I was a special teamer. So I enjoy what he does and and I would be blocking, you know, my butt off for him out there on the field. So I like both of them, what they do. What I'm not going to uh, do is, is again, hang my hat on that. They're going to be difference makers on the offense. I don't see them playing that role yet. Um, so bringing in another guy that can really be a great compliment, to Funches, take some of the pressure off of him. Uh, what you don't want to do is, is have – Defensive coordinators being able to roll coverages, double guys. So one more player, another player, whether that's a tight end, and I think it's about time to find the future mm-hmm. guy that's gonna, you know, kind of take the mantle, you know, the torch there from from Greg sure. Olson or, 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 or a number two wide receiver that is gonna develop into your number one, your big time playmaker.
0: Well, just going back to you know using the, the Eagles' personnel, I mean, you have Torrey Smith basically as your wide receiver three. Like, come on, man, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. speed.
2: So the fear <laughs> of him just outrunning you opens up a bunch of stuff underneath and uh, a lot of the dagger routes deep crossing routes that he's able to provide because he's going to run safeties and run corners off and you can bring guys you know over the middle over the top uh, of linebackers behind you know behind those guys to make plays
1: you said uh, earlier in the season that you felt like Christian McCaffrey was just a guy do you still feel that way after a full season of
2: of tape you know I mean that feels kind of harsh I mean I think he had a great Season, and I don't want to backpedal from my statement. I think he was—he did a good job for what they asked him to do. I don't see uh, where he was a valuable asset running the ball. He just—it just didn't look good. I mean, he's not able to to break the tackles. It wasn't uh, a physical style of running that you need behind that offensive line between the tackles. But man, to catch what eighty-five or more yeah. passes this year—that's right. incredible. I don't care who you are and what time period you play in so if they can find a way to continue to use that uh, I think what I was doing and most people do is they compare him to some of those other running backs from his draft class and it didn't look uh, you know very comparable as far as his production I mean you could just look in the division and what Alvin Kamara was able to do right uh, he was a guy that was tough enough physical enough to run between the tackles he had an outstanding year uh, over 1500 total yards from scrimmage so you know, I, I think Christian McCaffrey is a good football player. There's no doubt about it. But they have to find a way to commit to his skill set and what he can do. And I think there were too many times this year that I saw them force the inside run, and it was it was for naught. And maybe a little bit of the offensive line and maybe a little um, – you know, CMC, but um, it, it's going to be exciting to see year two.
0: How do you guys feel uh, in Norv's offense where he does like to to establish the pow, uh, power run game? I mean, is Stu still in a position at this point in his career to to handle that workload? I mean, getting, what, 15, possibly 20 carries a game? Does that sound right?
2: I think so. I think you can still utilize him. Now, now there are other guys. I mean, Cameron Artis Payne, when he got the opportunity, he ran hard. Fozzie's still on the roster. I mean, how long do you stick with those guys and, and – uh, can they help you? Um, Stewart's a man. If you've been sure. around him, if you've seen him, I mean, that's – I, I, you know, I'm a big guy. That You don't want to stick too many shoulders into a guy <laughs> like that. It, it, it adds up at the end of the game, and that's where he's good. When yeah. you see him close out games and pound yep. defenses at the end, that's where you need him. So I think you can still keep Stew because you have a Christian McCaffrey. That That mix works. Now, if McCaffrey wasn't on the roster and you're asking him to do more – you know he's getting a little older uh, obviously he's going to slow down those you know 30 year old running backs tend to start fading away but uh, i think he's still going to be a serviceable serviceable asset for this team next year
1: what do you think is holding back cameron artis Payne from kind of stepping up into that level cuz you're you're looking at a guy that at this point is now in his fourth year he av- averages 4 yards over 4 yards a carry he's caught every ball that's ever been thrown to him but he just Is it just not – he's just not showing it in practice? Like, why is he not getting the reps? That just confuses me, and I know a lot of fans are constantly asking me, why don't they put Cameron Artis Payne in?
2: You have to watch him when he doesn't have the ball. Watch him in pass pro. That will give you all the answers you want to know. Uh, They have to be able to count on a guy to protect Cam Newton when he's not out on the route, you know, when he's not getting the ball in a handoff. And I think for a lot of young running backs, man, they struggle picking up those those exotic blitzes and guys coming from everywhere. Even when it's not a blitz, you watch those defensive linemen when they do line stunts and they're twisting and guys are coming inside. It's the responsibility of the back sometimes to pick that up. Uh, and it may be a simple case of not understanding where he's supposed to be 100% of the time. If you can't cr- uh, trust him, he's going to get your quarterback hurt and that probably keeps him off the field.
1: Yeah, do you um, do you feel like the the offense you see you already said wide receiver maybe be tight end when you look at so the Panthers have two big offseason decisions to make Andrew Norwell and Star Latula are kind of their big name free agents that that are either going to stay or go do you picture a scenario where one of the two comes back or both come back or or neither
2: I don't know how you can keep both I mean yeah. just because of what Norwell and what he's done all pro I mean that's that's big dollar signs for him and Uh, Marty and the the Panthers and those guys want to, you know, commit that type of cash to the offensive guard. I mean, I think that may handicap you, uh, you know, bringing some other talent in. Um, The easier route, the easier route may be Star because he may be more affordable and you know what you get and you can keep that continuity. And we talked about the need of of depth on the defensive line and and Vernon Butler continuing to develop him. Uh, So I think you have some insurance there, but I, if I had a choice, man, I, Norwell is a nasty guy, and this is coming yeah. from a, a defensive line perspective. There are a few of those guys in the league, and you don't want to see him in another uniform come next season. You want to keep him around. I know Cam wants that guy, guy like yeah. that in front of him, but he's a—I mean—he's a nasty dude and physical. Those, those are kind of rare guys, and you, you do what you have to do to keep him around.
0: Yeah, I love—I love his whole persona on the field. It's just like you just don't want to mess with that guy. No. Man. He just seems like a mean guy. It's <laughs> not
1: just on the field. Like I pass him in practice, or like whenever. <laughs> i see him you he's the it. most terrifying him and peppers are the two guys that and peppers is the nicest guy in the world norwell i've maybe spoken one word to him my whole life but like i'll literally pass them by and be like oh like i'll shrink from andrew norwell <laughs> everybody else is just like yeah what like cam newton you walk by and devin punches but andrew norwell's like oh geez oh like yeah. he just feels like he could just take you out at any moment yeah
2: he's he's a, a physical presence uh nasty football player and and you love those. You need those over yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I think he's going to end up being the highest paid guard in the league, yeah. and I'm not sure that that is something that the Panthers can afford, especially after paying all that money for Trey Turner. It's interesting because everybody thinks about when Marty left, they all say, oh, he left us in salary cap hell, right? That's what they always say. Yeah. Where are the Panthers right now that Dave Gettleman isn't here? They're kind of in salary cap hell because they don't have enough money to re-sign their own guys. They don't have enough money to go out and get somebody else. They're at the point where they're looking to – they need to restructure Ryan Khalil. They need to make decisions about Jonathan Stewart to even get out and sign all of their draft picks. So it's like when these – this is what happens with GMs, right, is they they keep signing guys to try and win a Super Bowl, and then if it doesn't work, they get fired, and then the next guy has to come They'll in and clean up the mess. The
2: next, I mean, what Gettleman did is is kind of, you know, plugged in the hole that Marty left and – Dug a hole for himself yeah. in the process. That that's how it works. You you clean it up for a few years and then you look back, you do everything you can to put yourself in a position to win. But there's a price to that, man. It it costs to have these great players on your roster and with free agency um, they they do, that's why it's set up that way. Can you keep these guys? Uh, yep. Can you manage that salary cap in that roster? It's not about going out and getting the best possible talent out in the market. Um, you're gonna have to pay for that, and that's gonna hurt the rest of the team. And it's uh, you know, it's it's a real struggle. It's a real test for those GMs and, and the folks who deal with the contracts uh, up in that stadium.
1: It's like putting a puzzle together. Yeah. Like you have to put okay. So can we have Andrew Norwell and? a really good defensive tackle or do we need to just decide on a defensive tackle instead of, you know, can we have K one short and starlo to playing next to each other? That's like $25 million playing in the middle of the defensive line. That's a lot of money. And, uh, you look at if they were to re-sign Norwell, it would be Norwell, Khalil and Turner. I mean, that's legitimately $30 million on the interior of off of your offensive line. And that just might be too much. Right. So, uh, that's, that's just for me. Um, one of the things that we'll we'll flip back the history books a little bit al cuz i really we were uh we were hanging out a few weeks ago maybe m- months ago at this point and we were talking about how you kind of came to you made your journey from uh from i think it was the bills mm-hmm. to the panthers and i was hoping you could just kind of relay that story um the preseason game and, and what happened
2: from um, uh well I, I mean, I, it was a long journey for me through the NFL. Undrafted guy, Jacksonville, uh, with Tom Coughlin is the head coach back then. Spent majority of that season on the practice squad. Got that was to, before they had pools in their stadium. Yeah, too, right? before oh, the pools man. in the stadium. All right. <laughs> uh, with the Maxwell House coffee. Factory is just blaring ground coffee in the air during practice, and <laughs> so you could smell Florida. the coffee. Oh, while it you're practicing? was nauseating. It was awful. <laughs> and I'm a coffee drinker, but to smell that in the background, and it's a hundred degrees in, oh, in yeah, Northern Florida, imagine. it was it was brutal. But. And you're in Jacksonville, yeah. Is... So you you know, I it was a rough journey. Uh, ended up signing off the practice squad and, and being in Philadelphia for a couple years um, there, and had some great success. Mike turgovac who was actually our defensive coordinator here was my defensive line coach. Um Andy Reed, those guys come in and bring a whole new staff and I ended up breaking my breaking my ankle in the last preseason game uh with a contract on the table. Never got that. Uh long story short, I was uh
1: So there was you know, a contract on the table for contract
2: you? on the table for me. Uh that would have I mean at the time it would have changed my life. I probably was making back in those days sounds old maybe one hundred thirty-one thousand hundred and thirty one thousand base salary it would have bumped it up to maybe two and a half million Woo. uh yeah
1: that's a big difference that's a jump but yeah. they would
2: not <laughs> sign that contract until after the preseason game because of the dangers and oh wow know, how you know you get hurt you're injured and you know you're not you're not an asset anymore you're damaged good so ended up breaking my ankle and sitting out that entire year um you so, know, and, and missed out on that contract. Do so.
1: you feel like preseason games are, like, Do you? how do you feel about preseason games after that experience?
2: Um, it's a mixed bag. I, I mean, I think they're very necessary because a guy like me undrafted, that was my proving ground. I needed all four games. I don't want them to take any of those away. I, that last preseason game, though, I mean, if it's anybody that you're going to used during the regular season yeah you get them out of there and i think the way they've changed the rule now where the final cut isn't it's later they don't have mm-hmm. multiple stages but you need those guys and you hate to call them camp bodies but those roster fillers you need those guys out there that last preseason game guys are giving it everything they have that's right. the last opportunity to realize your dream uh and i was just chopped down in a wedge on a kickoff um in the last preseason game by a guy who was just, I mean, you can't cut a wedge. This a receiver. is just going for it, man. And he didn't want to face me up. So sure. I actually didn't see him. The wedge is going right. He's coming in from the left. And, I mean, it changed, it changed everything for me. Changed your whole life. Yeah, it changed my whole life. So just kind of grinding it out from there. Went to Chicago for a year. Had a knee surgery. Waved injured. Um, was back at home working as an assistant principal of a high school in Florida. Got a call from the Dolphins, who was my local team down there. Right, you're from Boca, right? Yeah, yeah, Delray, Delray Beach. Went okay. to high school in Boca Raton, Spanish River High School. Shout out to them. So um was down there, and uh, the week before training camp, get a call from my agent say, hey, man, you've been traded to – the Carolina Panthers. I'm, I don't know this team. You know, I played in the NFL, but it's a relatively sure. new team yeah. at the time. So, um, you know, I pack, pack up my car and uh, have my daughters a year old, my 17-year-old at the time, and uh, drive to Spartanburg, South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a fun trip. It was my uh. – Introduction to the Carolinas was Spartanburg. Yeah, do you
0: have to use an Atlas back then, right? Because yeah, Maps. MapQuest, it's you map pointed out some MapQuest to get to Spartanburg. Yeah, There's
2: no cell phones or anything like that. I,
0: I always had a bad experience with MapQuest, but they probably got lost trying to get you to Walford. I, I can't would imagine. imagine right?
2: How people got around back then, I can't <laughs> imagine, like, how do you like, get around? You follow yeah. this map, but it all worked out. I mean, got here, and uh, Jack Del Rio and Marty and John Fox said, Hey you don't care where you've been and what you've been through. If you can play, you're gonna play, uh, and and they meant that. And um, I gave them everything I had. And obviously Rucker and Peppers were the guys, and uh, you know just worked my tail off. And and Jack Del real said, "Man, you're gonna play. You're gonna make this football team, and you're you're not just on here, but you're gonna play. You're gonna rotate with these right. two guys." And my mind was blown. I mean, it's Peppers and Mike Rucker and. Like I'm gonna rotate with those guys. Yeah. And it was it was unbelievable.
0: Because that was arguably the best line in the NFL at that time, all you guys.
2: And the thing about it, our defensive line was is veterans and Britson Buckner's there and Chris Jenkins and Shane Burton. And not once did either Sal Sincere or uh Mike Turgovac, who was the initial defensive line coach and then the coordinator, said, Hey, you go in it's your reps. They let us do it on our own. If you guys can look at the film and believe Whoa, that we really? all rotated based on trust, really trust. Now, I wasn't always pretty. Uh, I was, you know, I was upset sometimes. I didn't play as much as I thought because those guys felt like they were in a rhythm. Or so, what, what do you mean or.
0: exactly? You, they left so, it up to you guys to determine who would come in and who would come out. Yeah,
2: you start off. Did the you game, do that based on are, how you felt or what the, what the
0: situation of the play potentially was? The, the
2: only rule was you got to give me a hundred percent. So as soon as you dip to 95, get out, let the other man go in there. He's going to give you 100 until he can't, and then that's how we worked it out. So it was, you know, they would be out there when they needed a break or they needed to come out. It would, you know, they would raise their hand. So hands. when you now would when run, come in, they Just kind of wave in, off. Yeah, and I would run in. Fox, none of the coaches said, whoa, like, whoa, let's not, like, I need Rucker and Peppers out there. Like, let's not put 96 it out the there. Unit, that was the then. great thing. So – that type of trust um wow. you know we stayed fresh we kept the rotation and we we had uh, you know uh, different sets where we had all three of us on the field and you know we determined who was going to be inside with uh Brentson Buckner at the 3 technique and I mean we got 50 plus sacks one year it was it was an incredible unit uh great chemistry we hung out on and off the field and so you have to you got to have
0: a good off the field relationship to trust one another to be able to rotate
2: like you do that. you have to like one another yeah. too I mean <laughs> just imagine you know running off letting another guy get an opportunity uh we were all genuinely happy for each other I mean sometimes you know as a defensive lineman sacks and making plays I mean that's how you get measured so to let another guy go in and kind of you know, see him get a sack, you know, for Rucker or Peppers to see me have some success, you know, you would think, man, that could have been me. They never felt like that until the day I'm close with those guys. I mean, those guys are absolute brothers. And uh, it it says a lot about the trust we had from the top down, from Coach Fox all the way down to uh, Sal Sanceri, who was our coach. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, that's – do you think that's still something that happens in the NFL today? Do you think that's how the defensive line works now? Because they would rotate – I mean, they rotated basically eight deep is, yeah. Do you think they, they do it that way, or I, do you think it's more coach driven? This, this I know past it's, year?
2: it's still coach driven, but I do see the guys. They're able to uh, come out. You see it a lot with the wide receivers. I mean, those guys may catch a play and they stay on the sideline. They don't just run back in there. They don't try to play every snap. Uh, the only, you know, guys that do that are the offensive linemen. They, I mean, they are tough. Man, they play every snap. But every other position rotates. You take plays on, and, and obviously you have to take plays off. But, yeah, I think it's more coach-driven. Um, uh, but I do see certain instances where, you know, some of those veteran guys can kind of call their own shots and come in and out as they please. Yep.
1: Yeah, Wes Horton was saying uh, earlier this season that one of the reasons why they're so successful on that defensive line is because they rotate so much that, you know, the tackles, the the offensive tackles are out there every single snap. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, hey, here you get a fresh Julius Peppers for two plays, and then on third down you got Charles Johnson coming in, and then if you're going to go for it on fourth down, here's a brand new guy that hasn't been playing for ten minutes is going to come in and give you 100%, and you just had to block, you know, it's it gets to it, just gets to a point where at the end of the game they're just worn down.
2: and it makes it hard to to game plan. It makes it hard to study. Part of what we did in those classrooms: take a look at those offensive alignment and look for tendencies. You know, weight on fingers. You know, narrow stance, wide stance, leg kind of back. Get a tip on whether it's a run play or a pass play. But it, on the offensive side, if I have to playing for the the tool bag of a pepper's pass rush and then al wallace and then the rest of the guys mario addison's coming like man in the heat of a battle like i can't keep it all straight so now you're gonna hit get hit from all different directions with different techniques and there's no way you can plan for that
1: what was your go-to pass rush move spin move no. Swim? No. No, you no. didn't have
2: the spin? You no. Know, you know, I always tell people I was kind of a mix between. Peppers was just, I mean, you guys know, ultimate athlete. Uh, Rooker, not so much of an athlete as as Pepper, but the ultimate technician. Perfect hands, perfect hand placement, feet. Always in the right position, leverage unbelievable, and he won that way. I was somewhere in the in the middle. Um, I had speed, I, I you know had some power, uh, and a little bit of technique mixed it in there. So for me, it was really speed to power. So using that speed, trying to burn the edge, burn the edge, and the changeup off of that is getting the guy running, getting them kicking and, and sliding thinking I got to stop this guy from coming around the edge and then putting the foot in the ground and boom, right under the chin with a power move, a bull rush right into the quarterback. So uh, it's a chess match, and you set things up in the beginning of the game to pay off in the end. And and for me, that's what it was, trying to use that speed, knowing those guys that watched film and saw me try to run the edge and turn that into a power once I got them on their heels and backpedaling, trying to... Cut me off a little bit.
1: Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, the quarterback throws it at you and you intercept it and you run it back and you,
2: yeah. And you come up seven yards short. Do you know who tackled you on the seven? Yeah, Michael Pittman. Never forget (laughs) it. (laughs) Never forget it. I've seen him a number of times after that, like, man, that's my one shot. You couldn't have just let me go. 100 (laughs) touchdowns in the NFL. There was no horse collar. And then you watch it, he's like pulling me down. (laughs) And all my teammates, like, why are you, you know, zigging and zagging? Like, what? 275 pounds. running. Just <laughs> <It's> got the <laughs> ball. Like it, it's in my hands. I don't know what to do but run. Well,
1: so. uh thank you very much to Al Wallace for joining us today. Um you can follow him on Twitter at A, uh at Ninety six A Wallace. Ninety six A Wallace. Anything else you want to plug or?
2: No, man. I'm just happy to uh, you guys. I, I appreciate what you guys do as far as the fans, for the team, and the support. And uh, anytime you need me, man, I'll, I'll talk football all day. You know that. Josh. Absolutely. Well, we got a
0: long way to go to get to the Eagles, man. But we're yeah. we're working on it.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: So uh, my name's Josh Klein. That's Zach Luttrell. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh Klein Rules. You can follow Zach on Twitter at. Roaring Riot Z. And uh, follow us at Our Riot Report, and we will see you next time on It Is What It Is because it's not what it's not. took me 45 minutes, but I got the catchphrase in there.